with the Lunch Break Podcast. I have a special guest today. I have Kayla Raymeyer from Omaha, Nebraska. She's in the HR technology industry. Uh, I met her through, uh, we had a reception with the Lunch Break Podcast, and you know she's connected with James Baldwin and others. And uh, it's nice to have you on. It's nice to have you on. How are you doing today, Kayla? I'm doing really good. Uh, a little bit of a rainy, gloomy day here in Omaha, but feeling good. <laughs> Almost the weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's about 75 degrees here in Rochester, New York. So, you know. You know, when we talk, Kayla, um, you know, you and I both have something in common. We both played sports growing up. And uh, we've learned, I'm pretty sure you've learned a lot of things playing sports. Um, So how do you feel playing sports, being into athletic activities, translate into business? Yeah. That's, um, well, for a little bit of background, so I, I ran cross country and track um, in high school and then in college, but I think how it translates into work, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways, but I think a lot of them center around more of a mindset mentality. Um, for me, I think the biggest takeaways really come down to that motivation, passion driven, you know, really pouring yourself into a sport and taking it seriously. Um, competitiveness, of course. And then the biggest one, probably coachability. Yeah. Um, you know, I played basketball, um, but my first sport plan was football. I was eight years old and, um, I was a middle linebacker and I learned coachability too. Like actually my coach was actually my uncle. So it was like a family dynamic there. And I played for two years. And then when I turned 10, I was like, you know what? I just want to be a kid. But I learned a lot in those two years. Uh, tell me a little bit more about your uh, track experience. Like when you would, when you were in high school or middle school or college, tell us a yeah. little bit more about that. Of course. So, you know, in, in high school, um, you're, you know, you're a little bit in that high school bubble and I was pretty successful in high school in the scope of Nebraska. Um, and I had gotten used to, and this might sound weird, you know, being at the top, being number one, uh, and having that, that feeling that you're the best. And something I actually struggled with a lot transitioning into college is no longer am I looking at the scope of Nebraska. I'm looking at everyone who's the best from every state that they went to. Um, mm. And it, it was a hard pill to swallow at first to understand no longer um, am I the best, but that the people next to me are just as good, if not better than me. Um, it was pretty humbling. And um, weirdly, that shift, I think, also helped me to more enjoy athletics, even mm. though it was being compared to maybe people who were better than me, but I think it allowed me to take some of the pressure off myself uh, to always be number one, but really to just compare myself, you know, 
in my own performance as opposed to those next to me. Yeah. When you think about your high school self, number one, and you think about when you were at college and the things you learned, what, what would you say were the differences between the high school you and the middle school or the college you? You know, I think the, the biggest thing, and I don't even know if it's in the scope of performance, but in high school, you're so cut off from the rest of the world. Sometimes, you know, it's high school, you're still under your parents' umbrella. Um, yeah. It's really your only focus is running or sports or, what you know, whatever that sport is you're doing. Uh, and, and you go into college and all of a sudden now you have all these other responsibilities, potentially uh, having a job, worrying about schoolwork, uh, you know, where where am I going to get a job at when I get outside of college? Mm. So many other things mm. you're taking care of on your now yourself. Um, yeah. That it actually goes back into maybe another skill I learned was just time management became more of a factor mm. <laughs> between mm. the two, just because I had so many other things I was worrying about yeah. in college compared to your little high school bubble. Yeah, definitely. Because, like, you know, for me, I never played when I got to high school. I did make the basketball team, but I, because of like need, my mom needing help, I decided to work and, you know, you know, instead of, uh, like I quit the team and, um, you know, when I played basketball with friends though, you know, uh, it was a lot of fun, but then I, I did play in different tournaments. And so playing with friends and the neighborhood guys and, you know, I was known as like one of the best. I was like 14 years old and then 16, 17. Out there killing it. Out there killing it. But then when you go play at a tournament and there's different ones, I'm like, yo, you know, and I'm playing against them and it's tougher. And like, it was a struggle to win when I did win. And then we, you know, like I, mem I remember I made it to like the finals and it was such a close game and I lost. But it was one of those things where like, you you learn humility, you know, you learn less. And I'm, honestly, I look back and I'm glad I lost because sometimes when you're always winning, you don't necessarily get that, okay, you know, lessons I learned and okay, I need to improve. Um, and I definitely became more competitive due to, to losing. Um, than winning all the time. Right. And I think to that point, it also gives you sometimes the feeling that it's okay to not always win and to take some of that pressure off your back, which I felt a lot of times in high school um, because I had those eyes on me to be number one. That, And I think that's why I say I enjoyed college more is because I let myself be okay with not necessarily being number one and that it really is, it's me. And I need to compare myself to my own performance and not to those others. Um, and you're right. It's like this humility thing of appreciating just, you know, your own self and your own progress, your own motivation, as opposed to how living up to other people's expectations of you. Yeah. And when you say, eyes were on you? Was that like family members or was it the coaches or someone else? You know, I probably hyped it up more than what 
truth be told, probably was. Okay. Um, I think everyone does it. Everyone assumes yeah. there's so many more eyes on you than <laughs> they might be. Um, right. So right, 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 right. Putting my own, a lot of my own pressure on myself. But if there was one um, individual maybe that was the most pressure, and not in a bad way, but probably was uh, my dad. My mm-hmm. dad uh, was kind of like this, the dad coach. You know, he was never really mm. my coach. He was the one who was always telling me what to do on the side, um, mm. giving me pointers, helping me out. Mm. My biggest cheerleader. So I think if anyone, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I would finish a race, if I didn't perform at my very best, one, I was upset with myself, but I was also upset because I knew I was going to turn to the stands and see my dad up there. And I knew I maybe had let him down, even though I probably didn't. At the mm. time, I felt I was letting him down. Yeah. I like how you said sometimes we feel more eyes on us than there actually is. And I think that's a lesson for people that maybe they're an entrepreneur, maybe they start a new business, even during um, the pandemic that's going on, or maybe they're in college, or even, you know, working at a job, or even if they got unemployed, maybe they had a good paying job, making 120, you know, 150 a year, whatever the case, and now that's different, and they may feel like, oh, all eyes are on me, you know, but when you play sports, um, especially when you're a young professional, um, you know, you get into the workforce and things, but when you, when you play sports, you may feel that pressure, like, oh man, all eyes are on me, but that, that sometimes that pressure is, like you said, are, is really on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to learn how to, how to balance that. Oh, totally. I think probably this will, most people would probably agree with this. You know, I think all of us, we're our own biggest hurdle in life like with anything we do to your point getting a job maybe after being let go um starting your own business um the work you do every day i think half the time half the battle is just getting over your own mental roadblocks (laughs) to Mm. get there you know and, and putting more pressure on yourself and letting that almost weigh you down as opposed to what might really be reality exactly Exactly. And, you know, I played basketball and uh, I played football as well. And you play track. Now, track is more one-on-one or one against everybody else. Yeah. Mine is more team versus team. Mm-hmm. Now, the role you're in now, now you're on a team and you have other people um, that that count on you and, and rely on you and things. So, How's that been different for you? Like, I know you're, you're managing in team. So tell me a little bit about that. So, yeah, that's actually pretty a good point. Um, I had started here at Quantum Workplace as an individual contributor. I started as an SDR um, and as I've recently moved into a manager role. And it is, it is such a mind shift of knowing no longer, you know, is it just my performance that I need to take into consideration? It's my entire team, you know, and everything that I do is actually for them. It's no longer for myself. Um, And the same thing, you know, to your point, making that analogy to to running versus, you know, as an individual sport to being on like a team mentality where your performance now impacts, impacts the greater, the greater scope, your greater team. Yeah. And, you know, 
when I was on, when I was playing football, especially, I, uh, I mainly was on defense. I did play tight end on offense, but on defense, I was the captain. And um, even though I was short at that time, <laughs> I was so short and skinny, man. And everybody else is bigger and taller than me. But I had that IQ. I had a very, very, go, very high football IQ, which is why they named me the captain. And communication was so important. So with the career team you're on, mm-hmm. how are you doing with the, with the communication? You know, I can't say that it's, you know, perfect. Like, there's always room for improvement. But I will say I'm, I'm very fortunate here that the team I have, we're very, very tight-knit. I sometimes call us a little bit of a wolf pack. Um, we all look out for each other. And I, one of my biggest things as a manager, to your point, is focusing on that communication. And I think a lot of that stems from just past experiences I have had. Uh, being a first-time manager, all I really have to go off of a lot of times is the experiences I have had, what have, what have I really liked, and what sometimes were things that I didn't like and try right. to not fall into those same pitfalls. And one of them, and I'm sure we've all been there before, is having that one manager that just is a little bit more hands-off, not really there. You might reach out to them on Slack, you know, where all, a lot of people are working early, and you don't hear back. And that's so, you know, frustrating as an employee to not, you know, know that your manager is there. So one of my focuses has always been to try to be as accessible as possible, especially as our not everyone's in the office. Some of us are working remotely. Um, and even if I can't get to them right now, it's just letting them know. You know, I hear you. Hey, I see your Slack. I'm in a meeting. Can I get back to you? Just to let them know I recognize it and I will get back as opposed to leaving someone hanging and wondering what's going on and need help, you're not there. Yeah. And for me, as someone who, like, most of my career I've been managed. Mm-hmm. I have done some managing, but I would say as someone who um, was managed, like, the, knowing that they care is what mattered the most to me. Um, there's different types of communication styles. Like, you know, I'm more direct. Um, I've had managers who were also direct and I've also had managers where they were more around, you know, around the bush where they were more detailed focus, transparently people like you ever like worked with a perfectionist, like someone who like wanted everything to be perfect. Oh me, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, no. and it's okay to be that way. Like it's, it's okay that they're that way. But for me personally, cause I'm more results, mm-hmm. I'm more action. I'm more creative. And like all the details is not really my thing, but you know, um, so that type of communicator in me kind of clashed the most. Mm-hmm. If someone, if me and someone is very direct with each other, that works really well. Or even if they're like more kind and like bubbly and like, you know, um, but they do lay out their expectations. If I know what's expected of me, I'm gonna do my best to get it done. Absolutely. So what would you say is your communication style personally? So that's a good talking point. You know, I think I'm still trying to find that. I don't think I have it hammered out. I don't think it's perfect. I think I'm still learning what is my communication style. 
Um, where I struggle the most is moving from being peers with a lot of the team that I lead now um, into being their manager is finding that balance of being a leader, but not coming in and being a boss. At Quantum Workplace, we call it boss stigma. Um, and I don't want to fall into that, where now all of a sudden, Kayla, who was my peer, is now coming in and telling me what to do. Uh, I, I'm trying to avoid that. And I maybe overthink it a little too much of wanting everyone to be my friend. Um, and it's something I'm getting challenged with every day by my manager to be a little bit more stern, be a little bit more direct when the time is appropriate for it, when you have to have those difficult conversations. And though I hear that feedback, where internally I'm struggling the most is doing it in a sense that's authentic to me. Um, if I were to come in and, and lay the hammer down, I think a lot of my team would wonder, where is this coming from? Who is this person? This isn't who I know. What the heck mm -hmm. is going on here? Um, so being able to find that balance of being stern when I need to and direct in a sense that will make them respect me, look up to me and, you know, want to follow, but then also not in the sense where I'm going to discourage them and push them away. Okay. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good thing. Um, what I've learned is that subconsciously we want, and I'm not saying you, but when he gave you the feedback to be more direct, a lot of people who like we sometimes as direct people want other people to be more direct. Like I know for me, <laughs> I, you know, whether it's I'm talking to somebody in my personal life or professional life, I'm like, okay, can you just like, just be more direct. Like I always like tell my friend, just be more direct, be, be more straightforward. So a lot of people who are direct expect others to be more direct. That's just how it is. But if a person is not the most direct, it's okay not to be sometimes because there's different types of leaders. Like there's no like yeah there's seminars and even like courses out there about leadership but like it's one of those things like you said you figure it out as you go mm -hmm. so like i've had i've had it where bosses have pulled me aside and we've had tough conversations not even like oh i'm in trouble it's just like sometimes tough conversations need to be had where there's expectations or this or that or um just pulling your coattail on certain situations so i think that you'll figure it out. And I also feel like it's one of those things where you will learn what, what works for you, you know? Um, and any anybody that manages you, they do their best to translate their experience. Like you said, personal experience sometimes. Yeah. I think I'm learning over time. And the thing that resonated with me the most in those conversations that I'm having with my manager, is to be okay with being uncomfortable at times and to that it's okay to, to push that a little bit step outside of your comfort zone because i think that's where you really start to learn to that point one it's okay that i have be a little bit more stern sometimes everything's gonna be okay you know well let's take it all the way back to overthinking it 
I overthink it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about what are the other repercussions when I need to just be okay with functioning in a, in a space that might be a little uncomfortable to me, and it's all going to be okay. As long as it, you know, I'm doing it from a place, that, again, that is authentic and genuine to me, but stern, Kayla, it's all going to be okay. Yeah. And uh, one thing I wanted to mention is, you know, congratulations on the promotion. Thank you. Um, you know, you've been putting in work, apparently, and the results has been there. And now you're a leader and you've taken care of your people. And I can tell you, you care. You know, I haven't, like, I haven't known you for a long time, but just in the conversations I've had with you, um, I can tell that you're someone that cares. You want to be the best that you can be. Um, and so I, I did want to say congratulations. And I, I, I believe in you. And I feel like you, you, you'll do, do an awesome job being a leader at the company you're at. Thank you. Um, but speaking of uncomfortable, the question I ask for every guest, you know, recently, this is a new thing that I'm, I'm doing. Um, the question that I'm asking everyone now is business is personal. That's a, something, a, a value that I believe in. What does that mean to you personally when you hear that business is personal? What is that? What does that mean to you? So, yes, putting me on the spot and making me <laughs> uncomfortable. Um, but to me, business being personal comes as a double-edged sword to me. Uh, and the reason is because, to your point, I care a lot about the team in the company I work for, and I invest 110% of myself every day into what I do. And sometimes that comes as a fault. <laughs> um, it detracts away from some of the other things that are super important in my life, uh, like my husband. <laughs> yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing that. One of the things that stood out was you said 110%. Um, you know, I've, I've been in the workforce since uh, 2009, right? And um, in that journey, I've seen people put in 50% at work. I've seen people go as low as maybe even 40%. Um, it's rare. It's like... I would say maybe like 10 to 20% of the people I've worked with have actually put in between 90% to 95%. But then there's like maybe that top 10% that give that 100% and more. So I know like we talked about sports earlier, like in sports, you have to like give it your all. Like, you couldn't run track and get 50% and be the top, you know, to be the top in your high school, you know, um, you know, and then when you got to college and stuff, so I know that has translated into where you're at. And, um, I know you're the type I think you mentioned before that pouring yourself into everything is part of, part of you. Yep. So yeah, it, it translates everywhere in sports, in work, um, it follows me. And I think that's that drive, that, that fire that I have and, and internal competitiveness to just always be the best. Um, 
yeah, I, I think that's something that will stay with me forever, whether it's here, um, whether it's hobbies I have, what have you, but I, I'm just not one to have one foot in and one foot out. Yeah, for sure. Now let's dig a little deep. Um, how are you managing the personal and professional life? Yeah. So it's a, it's a work in progress. Um, I, you know, mentioned it earlier that that double-edged sword of giving 110% to work can have its benefits, but it can also have, you know, a ripple effect in other areas of your life. And I, that goes back into my personal life. Um, something I'm still working on uh, with my husband is being able to separate those two. Uh, I am notorious for staying a little too late at work <laughs> and making my husband feel like he's the secondary in my life, though he's not, um, or the one that's taking the back seat to the work that I do. Um, so I'm working on trying to find that balance of one, he knows that work is, is my fuel. It's, it, it's what motivates me. It's what, it's my drive. It's my passion. Um, so giving me that it's okay that maybe I stay a little bit late, but then also me working on, though I might stay late, not bringing it home. So how I found that balance is I might stay an hour, an hour and a half late to work, but what I'll do is I'll leave my laptop at work intentionally. So I don't bring it home. Uh, I'd found prior to, to learning that was my way to separate the two. I'd bring my yeah. computer home and I'd pop it open, you know, like after dinner <laughs> and just kind of be clicking away at something. And before you know it, you know, it's, it's, it's time to go to bed. And now what have I done? I really haven't spent much time just unwinding, talking, whatever we're doing and just being uh, present. I found I wasn't. So that's how we've, we've found this balance of him giving me that understanding, but then also me getting back and saying, yes, I can, I can shut it off. I cannot bring it home. Yeah. Uh, you know, two things stood out to me as you were talking is, uh, leaving work at work as much as possible. Like you said, you made a decision to leave your laptop at work. You might stay a little longer, but you leave your laptop at work. So that's like a good, good, good compromise. And even myself, um, especially working from home, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to not, to not bring it home. It's very difficult. But when you have people in your life, uh, family situations, like it's, it's like you said, it's a constant double-edged sword. And then you, you talked about balance and it's, I just kind of made this up as you were talking, like balancing, giving power. Like, you know, we have, like, we all are human, right? So we have that certain amount that we can give, but we got to balance what we can give because we only can give so much. So, um, you know, whether it's given to, you know, family members, uh, spouse, or whatever it is, work, it's always that constant motion of, like, trying to balance things. Like, finding balance is, like, it's something that we always, always going to strive for. It's never going to be like, oh, I found it now. <laughs> no one's going to find it. And if anyone has found it, I would love to hear how they're doing it because 
to your point, just the moment I think I might have like found the balance, something will tip the scale back in one direction or another. I think I would love to hear <laughs> someone that's got it. Because I don't know if there is a, a full way to get the perfect balance. I think it's I think it's because life constantly is changing. Oh yeah. You know, a company policy might change or, you know, family situation might change or we change, we grow like, a, you know what I mean? Like who I was, like I'm 27 now and like who I was when I was 21, totally different. Okay. What's, in, what's my priorities now is not the same six years ago, even three years ago when I was 24, two years ago when I was 25. And I'm pretty sure when I'm 28, 29, 30, shift, shift, shift. Um, and I think that's part of it. And it's like, I know me, I call it business mode. Like when I'm work and I'm taking care of things, you know, I'm in business mode. So I mean, I know you mentioned like part of you turning it turning business mode off, you leave your laptop at work and that helps you not to be in business mode and like, you know, be present. Are there any other things you do to quote unquote, turn off? Is it something I'm great at? No, but <laughs> um, one thing that I find myself falling into and we go back to, to being present and just having communications with your spouse, your significant other, whoever it is, your roommate. Um, my husband has gotten really good of calling me out when I find myself starting to talk about work again. And I don't intentionally try to do it, but I find it comes back up in conversations under yeah. me. I find myself starting <laughs> to talk about work. And yeah. we've gotten into this agreement where he can just stop. He'll stop me and say, can we just talk about anything other than work? Like, I'll let you finish the story, but then we're done. We're done. We're, we're severing it here. And, you know, I know that that's, like his like his cue to me, which is a very clear cue. Stop. <laughs> can we can we change the topic? So, is it finding the the perfect balance of work mode and non work mode? No. Is it something I necessarily control? No. But it's something. It's an agreement I have. You know, with with uh, my husband to just let me know. Yeah. And I don't take offense to it. You know, I'm not offended. I'm not mad because he doesn't want to hear about it um, or take it in the sense of, oh, he doesn't care. I know yeah. he does, but let's just take that focus and let's talk about something else. So uh, that's probably like another way that we work together to nice <laughs> to find that lot, like to where to where to turn it off and when to stop and it's a work in progress and my hope is maybe maybe enough over time that <laughs> eventually I just won't do it. Yeah. But I, I'm sure it continues. <laughs> it's good that you have that communication and that that mutual agreement and y'all work together to do that. So Kayla, I want to thank you for having on uh thank you for being on this episode. Thank you for having me. Um this was phenomenal. What I would do to recap um this episode because it's so full of gems, I don't want people to miss it, is, you know, sports translate into our business and our career. 
from sports, you can learn motivation, drive, competition, coachability, um, whether you are an entrepreneur or in a position of management or being managed, um, that's always key. Drive, ambition, and being coachable and coaching others effectively. Um, and then you're managing the team. Um, and there's challenges when you go from a peer to now you oversee things and adapting and being authentic, managing different communication styles, relationships, and keeping people accountable, yet keeping that culture and all those things, phenomenal. Then we tap into that personal side of things, leaving work at work, um, pouring yourself out, giving 110%, but then also balancing personal um, and professional life and turning off business mode. So I want to thank you again for being on. Uh, powerful episode and uh, you and I would definitely definitely stay in touch oh, thank you so much for having me I appreciate it this has been fun thanks for tuning in to another episode of the lunch and drink podcast where true sales pros go to share their stories on their lunch breaks if you enjoyed this episode give us a rating share on social media and make sure you come back for more episodes on season 4 of the Break Podcast, where business is personal.